have, if a book is at like a four to five, if I cry, I will automatically bump it up because it, it elicited some sort of emotion. And I didn't cry in this book. And if I had a cried at the ending, I probably would have given a four and a half. I know that's arbitrary and stupid, but like for Aurora rising, it was like a four to five until that chapter where I was just like bawling. And I was like, Oh God, this is a four and a half. Welcome to the Novel Universe with Dawn and Ashley, book club buddies who love to read YA fiction. We'll discuss the good, the bad, the ugly, and oh my gosh, we need to talk about this right now. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab something sweet or salty and join our universe. Hello, and welcome to the Novel Universe with Ashley and Dawn, we we do this over Skype, and for some reason, the record option is, like, really delayed, and we're always kind of like, oh, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> so today, we will be reviewing and discussing The Other Side of the Sky by Amy Kaufman and Megan Spooner, and I believe that is published next Tuesday, I think. It's not today, next Tuesday. And just FYI, our next podcast will be Blood and Honey, which is book two in the Serpent and Dove series by Shelby Mahirin. That will be at the end of the month. Hopefully I said that correctly. (laughs) Okay, so let's get started with Other Side of the Sky, and I will read the book description because it is short. Here we go. Prince North is what? Prince North's home is in the sky, in the gleaming city held aloft by intricate engines powered by technology. Shut up, Ashley. Nim is the living goddess of her people on the surface, responsible for providing answers, direction, hope. North's and Nim's lives are entwined, though their hearts can never be. Linked by a terrifying prophecy and caught between duty and fate, they must choose between saving their people or succumbing to the bond that is forbidden between them. One one thing I noticed here, in the description, surface is capitalized as if that's what it's called. It ain't called surface nowhere in this book. Mm-mm. It's like an A word. It's the all seal. Well, that's where North lives, but the below is called below, right? Isn't it called the below? It's called the below. Yeah. But here it's called surface. I don't know. That's weird. But anyway... I thought that was weird. Well, let's start with our rating. Who wants to go first? We don't. We never know how we rate the book or if we like it. We don't talk about it until the podcast. So we have no idea how each other liked the book. Who wants to go first? No, I feel like I always do because I'm always like, ooh, I don't know. Okay, I'll go first. Okay. I gave it a 4.25. I liked it a lot. Couldn't quite give it a, five, a four and a half. But I really like it. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I don't give a lot of anything higher than fours. So, yeah, that that's a feat. I wish you guys could, like, see our reactions to this because it, like, <laughs> that's, like, the whole entire podcast. <laughs> We're always, like, holding our breath, like, are they going to like it? No, yeah. no, they're going to hate it. Just watch. <laughs> um, I also gave it a really high rating. I gave it a 4.5. I did Ooh. not give it a full five. Okay. Only because of a like, small, just a small little thing. Just a small little nit, like nitpicks that like I have as a 
experienced reader, you know, like we're at the age now where like we know what we want to read. So I'm looking for books that are in that genre because I now would call myself, what would you say, an expert? (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe not, maybe not an expert, but I know generally what's a good story in this genre. That's a good point. You're at an age, we're all at, well, we're at an age where we know what we like and when we see it, we know it. So I like, I like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I feel like our dislikes are going to be minor. I'm, I'm actually, I'm in between a four, two, five and a five and, and it could go higher. Like if, if we have a discussion and I feel like you swayed me, I could potentially go higher. It won't be a five, but it will be very mm-hmm. close to a 4.5. Yeah. So we do that to each other, you guys. We really do. We kind of just go back and forth. And if, like, if you, the one who really likes it is able to sway the other one just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> we'll change our ratings. But, yeah, I think, um, I guess I can start with uh, my first, like, little nitpicky-poo here. Um, this book is very much so a world-driven story. It is not a character-driven story. So for us as readers, I try to relate to my characters. I'm not so much relating to the world that I'm in, but me being the fantasy architect, I really enjoyed the world building in this book. But I had a hard time connecting with the characters because we didn't get that revelation moment in some instances in them. It was that their growth wasn't on this giant spectrum that like where we're on the journey with them for this growing phase. I got more of the world and why is it, why do we have the below and why do we have the sky? Like what, what is this disconnect and how is um, everything working either congruently or not? So that's my biggest like dislike of this whole entire thing is that I didn't feel like I had a chance to connect with the characters on a deeper level. Um, I'm going to actually say the exact opposite of you. I actually thought the character development was done quite well. Mm -hmm. And I do agree that their growth was not exponential. Their growth was quite small, but I didn't hate that. I did like the world, but I did felt like I felt like something was missing. And I don't know if we aren't supposed to know how the not how the magic works, but why? Because the magic is really it's not big. It's really like confined into really specific magic. And Mm -hmm. they don't talk about the magic part too much. And that didn't that wasn't one of my dislikes, but um, I did notice it. I don't think it affected my rating, but. Just to kind of piggyback on what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any dislikes for once. I don't. The only thing was that I felt like there's some static. I know. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Sorry, guys, for the static. Um, the only thing is that I felt like this book is really written well and that almost everything is foreshadowed. And there were a couple of things that just kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, what? And I, that kind of bothered me a little bit. So the other thing that it's not a dislike, but for some reason, what I do is if, if I have, if a book is at like a four, two, five, 
if I cry, I will automatically bump it up because it, it elicited some sort of emotion. And I didn't cry in this book. And if I had a cried at the ending, I probably would have given a four and a half. I know that's arbitrary and stupid, but like for Aurora Rising, it was like a four to five until that chapter where I was just like bawling. And I was like, oh, God, this is a four and a half. Like it, I just loved it more. But I just didn't get that here. And it's that's just a me problem. It's not the book's problem. So with that being said, this is one of my higher rated books of the year. Like it will be in my top 10. It's probably one of the higher rated fantasies I've read this year. I thought it was a really good book and mm-hmm. worth worth the read. I have nothing else as far as dislikes. Yeah. And like I said, like with mine, it was like, it was just a tiny little nitpick. Like it wasn't really like a a make or break. Like if I'm going to, you know, give a lower score with that. Um, My thing, I think I have to agree with you. Like there, there was a point where I was hoping for more of like that deeper connection for me to have like a moment where I was like, feeling empathetic towards the characters and I didn't have quite that moment. Yeah. It was close, but I do have to applaud the authors because they kept the consistency of how they were telling the story. Right. So like they chose to do it one way and it was like, okay, like, well, at least you're fluid with that. Like it's not, it's not just all over the place. You know what I mean? Cause we've had so many books that, I really feel like our authors just can't quite decide on either the tone or the theme or, you know, how, how characters are being developed. And at least with Kaufman and Spooner, I just, I felt like there was a lot of unity in in like how they were telling this story, which is a kudos to them that they can tell a story together. Yeah, I agree. So what are some of your likes without us going into, you know, Spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, so folks, it's going to be really difficult for us to talk about likes because you heard that summary and there's nothing in that summary. So we have to be very, very vague. So just know that we really, really like the book. Um, but one of my likes that I think you talked about already was the world. I, I like the world. We have um, in the story, um, we have North's, I can't pronounce, once again, the, the, the titles of these characters and these locations are so clunky. I was calling Araceli. I know that's a person's name. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce the name of this country. Araceli? I don't know. Um, but his world is advanced in technology, even more advanced than here, like the, our world right now. And then just below them, we have a world that is magic. Um, it's, it's kind of science fiction up in the sky versus fantasy on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked... Um, we don't really know too much about his world. I'm assuming that we're going to get that in book two, but we get a lot of it in her world. And so, um, yeah. Um, what did I say in my notes here? Yeah. I've never, I've never read a world where we have two different, what do I want to say? Two different advances, like really advanced in technology and then not at all. So this is, this is new to me. And anytime something is new, I like it. Well, yeah, because it hasn't been done before. We're not reading the same Hunger Games, Harry Potter story. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, like, it's like, oh, this is what it looks like to write a new story. Um, I think with this book, I really enjoyed the fact that 
we have fantasy and we have sci-fi. Like they are two different things in with each of the worlds. Um, we get a lot more of the fantasy realm. Uh, magic has rules here, although we don't know all of the rules. And like, I applaud that cause it's not just coming out of nowhere. Um, and the fact that, I don't know, it was, it just, it reminded me of like a Yoda scene from star Wars where they were living <laughs> because in the below, like everyone's like close to the water. It's very swamp. Like there's this like magical mist type of thing. That's that, like people are running from, but yet there's steel and you're like, what is happening here? Cause it, it just feels like something out of a George Lucas film. Okay. So I've never seen star Wars guys. So hard if I don't have seen it you will understand my Yoda talk (laughs) so um trying to think of another of another like uh I did not see the story going in a direction that it did okay and that is as much as I will give for that portion I liked the um so I've been like I watch a lot of booktube and a, a a reoccurring complaint people get is that authors do not write a polyamorous relationship but we get one here it's not really on the page but it there is one here and it's just part of their life there's no no one's like questioning it no one's like like discriminating them against it it's just that's just how life is there and so you got one guys you you, you Amy Kaufman and Megan Spooner give you a polyamorous relationship. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. done well. Yeah. It's not to the point where it's like people are shunned and whatever. It's like, oh, they make it normal and therefore it is normal. You know, like if you draw too much attention to something and don't give it what it's worth, that's when people start questioning things and they're like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. And it was done so well that you're just like, well, bravo. Bravo. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what was another part here? I really liked the fact that we get a bindle cat. What is a bindle cat? Okay. So I feel like it is, it reminded me of, um, with Jay Kristoff's, uh, Dark Dawn. Finally. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's some sort of like spirited like animal. Okay. So there's some sort of spirited animal that they either, I feel like they work with both sides. I'm going to look it up now. I'm looking it up because I, I don't remember, but it was, it was supposed to mean something. Well, they kept calling it Bindle cat and the cat doesn't have a name. And I'm like, why do you keep calling a bindle cat? But it didn't occur to me to look it up because I'm not a big animal lover. Sorry. Um, So I was just like, yeah, we'll just go with it. (laughs) I liked all of the characters while we're talking about the cat, which the cat is actually a character in the book as well. But I liked all the characters. I can honestly say there was not one character that I had a problem with. Spooner had posted about it on her Instagram. Oh, Um. Like a picture with it. The um, Spooner and Kaufman also put the character, um, what the characters look like. So if you are curious to see what the characters look like, it is on their Instagram. 
I always prefer that stuff. I don't know why. Which that that was really cool though because I feel like I already had a name to a face. Yeah. So I wasn't trying to um, guess and you know guess poorly and whatever. So okay, guys, I cannot find it. I apologize. Sometimes when characters are described as brown, there are so many different types of brown. I I have a hard time figuring out what. So it could be brown, could be a black person. Hispanic, Native American, Asian, Middle Eastern. Like there's so many brown and, and it, the facial features change, the hair, the hair type changes. And it's all with having the ability to picture what they look like. So oftentimes when a character is described as brown, I don't know what that means. And I have a hard time looking like picturing them. So it was helpful for me to get a look at Nim, who was she seemed to be kind of an ambiguous brown, though. Like, you couldn't tell what region of the real world she was from by looking at her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is yeah. great. I did find it. I did oh, find okay. it. Okay, so the Bindle Cat is our tribute to an animal companions we fell in love with as we grew up reading and true to tradition he definitely saves the day once or twice though nobody ever thanks him to nim he's her beloved companion the only creature that she can have in her life uh to north he's a mysterious creature to be treated with a very healthy respect and we will go into more of that, you know, in the spoiler, because I can't say too much there. But I think that that's kind of awesome. It's kind of like uh, their way to attribute this cat has characteristics. It's known to be something that is comforting, but it's something to also be respected at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, because yeah. he, he has his own little moment that I was like, I almost shed a little tear. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> And he doesn't have a name. Which he I doesn't found have a name. Weird. I know that was on purpose, mm-hmm. but I don't. I don't know why they chose to not give him a name. I have. I have a theory behind him. Oh, but wait, I, wait, I, wait. I won't say. I won't okay. say yet. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. 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 All right. Oh. Yeah. Do you? Do you see? Are you connecting? Feeling. I know where you're going with it, and I like it. Okay. okay. <laughs> Any other likes you had? No. Mm-mm. The only other thing I was, I liked that. So this book is a critical fantasy. This is not fluffy. There are some major themes and we will go into the themes a little bit more um, in the spoiler section, but there's like faith, a very strong theme of like faith and religion, humanity, Mm -hmm. choice, um, and all that stuff. So that makes this book critical, which I appreciate when authors don't dumb down their books and not have it be a critical book. Mm-hmm. And I liked the ending. I really oh. liked the epilogue. The ending and the epilogue were great. I'm so happy that it ended well. I was, yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> now that you're like, give me else that you like. Oh yeah, I loved the ending. <laughs> I thought that that was great. The epilogue just in and of itself, you just, you you think you know whom is speaking, but you don't know whom is speaking. <laughs> <laughs> because this story is told in two uh, POVs. It's told through North and through Nim's like POVs. And the way that the epilogue goes, we don't know who's talking. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so that was done really well. And the themes, yes, like it's all interlaced in there. It's not some, it's not a romance novel. You know, it's, it's there, there's some stuff sprinkled in there, but that's not the main story. And I appreciate that as a, a YA fantasy, lots of times it's like just all about the romance and there's no actual fantasy and like world building. And like, that's what we got in this book. And I, I really appreciated it. Cause I, I don't spend the time in reading a book with a new uh, world to like read every single word that is on the page. And I found myself reading every single word about the world because I was so interested in it and I wanted to know more and I was trying to envision it in my head. And at some parts it could be seen as like, why are we talking so much about this world? Because it's, it's important. And I came to later realize that like, that's why they spent the time to give us all of that description is because when you're talking about two different worlds, the sky and the below, of course you have to, there has to be some difference there. So it was, it was very good. Last thing I'll say really quickly is that I did like, I did like the romance that was in it. I did Mm -hmm. like North. So I did, I did too. All right, that is all we have for the spoiler-free edition of The Other Side of the Sky by Amy Kaufman and Megan Spooner. If you are not going to join us for the spoiler edition, tune in in a couple weeks where we will be discussing Blood and Honey by... Shelby. Mahirin? 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 And otherwise, we will catch the next podcast. If you are joining us for the spoiler edition, spoilers start in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All right. Okay. Where do you want to start? Um, I thought we could start with um, the setting. Okay. At least that's what I have. Um, okay. So, you know, the, the world set, you know, in the below is this river and jungle landscape. And everyone lives on the water pretty much. Like they have like water boats water houses. Um, but yet there's this steel that somehow came from nowhere. No one really knows exactly where it came from, but it protects against this deadly mist. And so we were talking about in this, uh, spoiler free edition of this episode, this deadly mist either has the power to drive you insane or to give you like some sort of a crazy, awesome power. Um, But very rarely are both given and very rarely can you exist without being missed touched in this particular region. Um, How did you feel about, about all of that when you were reading it? Um, Well, Ashley knows this, you guys may not, but Dawn likes herself a good prophecy. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen very often. Prophecies are hard to do, I think. And there have only been a couple of YA fantasies that I think have done it well. Um, there Will Come a Darkness did it really well. That's by Katie Rose Poole. And I thought this one did it really well because it's very simple. It can be um, it can be misinterpreted, which I think what they did here. I don't know if we're going to talk about the prophecy separately or I'll just go into it now. Like, prophecy lore is pretty standard across the board. It's like everybody knows that a prophecy can be misinterpreted. That's the whole point of a prophecy. 
And I like what they did here, which was everybody thought the prophecy was about them. <laughs> so I was like, that's that's kind of funny. I kind of like that. And I could see why they all did that. But I thought that added something a little bit nuanced to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that, as you were saying in the spoiler free edition, that sh- they kept their world very simple. They it, It's easy to picture they live by a swamp and there's the big temple. It's, you know, their magic is very easy to follow. They have this mist, which I did like the mist part, because when someone was touched by mist and they started talking nonsense, you don't know if they're prophesying or if they're talking nonsense, which I thought that was kind of like, you don't, as the reader, you don't know what's going on as far as them and their mindset. So I, I liked the whole mist thing. It also seemed to me like, I don't know this, I don't know if I'm just reaching, but it seemed like um, because we got an idea of what the other goddesses and gods powers were. And it seemed like whatever was happening at the time, that's what their power was. So um, because the whole mist thing was a problem in um, Nim's lifetime, she got to control the mist. And maybe there was a lot of like disease when Jazara and then she got healing power. I don't know. It just seemed like that was a connection there. But yeah, no, I could agree with you there. I think it's because like worlds evolve, right? Worlds don't just stay consistent. So, I mean, there's, if you think about, well, at least in our terms of world, of what a world is, you know, constantly changing, you constantly have to adapt and learn how to survive and all of this stuff like that. And so I think the fact that, that that's how that played out, I think, I think it's done well because, because it made sense. It wasn't like I was like pulling at strings, but enough was given to me for me to make my own hypothesis about what's happening. Yeah in there. Um, one thing I will say, because this, this book focuses on the below, like we've stated, I did not get enough of the sky, the all seal, all seal, all seal. Yeah. However it's called. Um, I wanted more of that because in the sky, there are no pets. They don't, they don't eat meat. (laughs) There is a part in the book where uh, Nim uh, is encountering with North and she offers him food and he's eating it. And he's like, oh, this is this is rather interesting. I've never had something like this before. And she's like, well, it's kind of like a rodent, basically, like that we find here to eat. And he like starts vomiting. <laughs> and she just looks at him like, what is your problem? Like, like it's it's nutrition. Like, why are you not grateful for it? <laughs> Come to find out. Oh, because he lives in a different world where there's no pets. Yeah. I almost thought it was uh, multiverses. Mm-hmm. It's not just coming from the sky to the ground, which which is which is cool. It's because at first I was like, oh, this is a multiverse. And I was like, no, they're yeah. fully aware of what's going on down there. And they're fully aware of what's going on up there. Well, they know that there is something up there. It's not like it's unknown. So mm-hmm. but the but the sky people don't know that the below exists. No, they don't. They tell us. That's what they tell us. But they know that it's in their universe, though. It's not like they have to time travel to get there. They just go through the sky to get there. They just go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have liked more more of them. Because, I mean, in the sky, it was very similar to Aurora Rising. 
just in like description and like how advanced they were in their technology and stuff like that. And maybe that has something to do with the fact, like, didn't she help Jay write that? Yeah. yeah. She's awesome. So, so definitely like that, that kind of, you can kind of walk alongside that world a little bit, just a little bit. I wouldn't say a lot, but from what we know, yeah. um, well, we're definitely going to get it in book two. Like book two is going to be all about Araceli. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say the name of that world. <laughs> <Araceli>. <laughs> I do like the fact that this story is like all about like survival and contrast culture and differences and secrets. Like it's very like on either side type of thing. So it was awesome. Um, do you have any more about the setting or the world? Um, yeah, I like, it was hard for me to kind of put stuff in categories, so it might be kind of all over the place, but I'm going to put this in the world part. Um, so one thing I found, and like, once again, sometimes a book like this, you can over-theorize, you can think too much. And I think I might have been thinking too much, but I found it interesting that um, a thousand years ago, the gods abandoned the below and went up. And I wonder if it was because it was time for the world to end and start anew. And they were like, nope, we're going to go up. Because now it's a thousand years later and it's time to read. The prophecy says you got to kill everything to, to basically reincarnate and everything. And North is like, nope, I'm going to go up. So I'm like, is this North's family that keeps being the light bringer that keeps coming down? And they each one of his family, like a thousand years ago, a thousand years later, a thousand years in the future, it's going to be like, nope, I'm going to go back up. To the sky. <laughs> and like, maybe that's the cycle because when they went up into the sky, guess who went up with them? The goddesses. So the living goddesses went up to the sky just like a thousand years before that. So I'm wondering if that's actually the cycle and not the gotta kill everything off prophecy thing. Hmm, maybe. I guess that probably should put that in the theory section of our podcast. My bad. Yeah, that is the theory, but that's cool. <laughs> it still goes with the world. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, uh... I think I agree with you there. I really did enjoy the prophecy in this book because it was easy to follow and I could remember it. Yeah. In like some weird mumbo jumbo where I was like, what was that again? Was that a line in there again? I don't know. I don't know because I can't, I can't remember it, you know, and having to re like go back because I took a picture of the prophecy. So I remembered what it was because I knew that I'm going to have to reference it. And <laughs> um, then, like, you caught it when it happened. So there was a point where we read the prophecy and then Nim and then a gray calls her that empty woman right there. And I was like, Oh, is she the empty vessel? It's like, Oh, okay. I remember the prophecy cause it was very simply written. And so when things were happening in the book, I could be like, Oh my God, is he the prophecy? Is mm-hmm. he, he's got a brand on him. Is he, is he the light bringer? Like it. So I, that's why, that's why it's important to have a simple prophecy guys. <laughs> yeah. It's very important. Well, so I was going to move on to characters next. Okay. Um. So let's talk about Nim. Okay. She takes her job very seriously. I have to applaud her. She is like 18 years old, this girl. I was so proud that she stuck to her guns and didn't laugh, let her emotions and physical attraction get the best of her towards a male, if you will. Like there, there's this rule that she's not allowed to be touched because if she's touched, she's supposed to lose her, her divinity, 
her way to be able to heal people. And so if someone touches her, she has now been robbed of what she's supposed to give back to the people. Um, and so I, there were so many times where I was like, crap, she's going to give in. She's going to give in. And I'm going to be so like, I was going to be so disappointed in, in her because when you tell me that you cannot be touched, just because some cute boy falls from the sky doesn't mean you just all of a sudden just lose all sense of direction and just go, it's fine. Yeah. Fine. Because maybe I'm not going to be the goddess because now she's 18. Her powers have yet to manifest, right? And so they're starting to question, all right, this girl can do a little bit of like, you know, herb witch crap, but she's not doing something great. Mm-hmm. At all. I mean, she's her powers are not something to be like worshipped for. But yet she constantly does all the rituals the way she's supposed to. She constantly does her praying. She constantly does all of her cleansing. She constantly isolates herself and learns more and more and more about what her duties are. And I mean, she's 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 lonely and all she has is this bindle cat as her companion the only one that she can touch and hold and to me I was like that is so it's so sad it's so sad to me that she's supposed to be a savior to her people but yet she's stripped of anything that is supposed to be human like she can't have any sort of physical connection to people at all she has to stay one step away at all times so well, let me let's let's break that down a little bit. Um, so I agree with everything you said. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I think this book is really good is because Nim is written very well. She is the classic reluctant, reluctant queen, princess goddess, if you will. But she is got some very strong convictions, even though she is just like dying inside because she felt that her childhood was robbed from her. She is very bitter about that, but Mm -hmm. she wants so badly to be this thing that everybody needs them to be that she, she has very strong convictions. She will not touch him, even though, even though at the end she finds out that is all bullshit, she still chooses to not be touched, which I thought was fucking fantastic. Mm -hmm. She still chose. She's like, Nope. I'm not going to do it. I have my mission. I'm going to do my mission first. I'm not going to be like Dezira, in which she basically um, accused her of leaving us, of leaving everybody, just because you wanted to be happy. That's what she yelled at her. I was like, oh, my God, that's so great. I know. Um, I kind of agree with it. But it kind of makes you, it kind of makes you conflicted. It's like, well, doesn't she deserve to be happy? But at the same time, she, like, ditched everybody for a man. It's kind of like, how am I supposed to feel about this? Which I think was on purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, so I really did like um, Nim in that way. As far as the, um, I think that's it. I kind of touched on. Oh, about her, um, her wanting to be touched. I don't know if I put it in this section. Yeah. So there were a couple of times where that was really heartbreaking. And it was in the chapter where they were at the party and it was just her and North, which was one of my favorite chapters of all. I hate to say that because it's like the sexy chapter, but um, she says, 
actually it's it's right before she says this right before the party she says there's no room for a life like mine for wanting and i was just like oh my god this poor girl she cannot touch anybody no one can touch her and she is she's struggling with it so badly and then when she is in the room with him she's talking about the day that she was called and she said, the last time I felt wanted was basically when my mom had to give me away. And she's never, is that she was five and she's never felt wanted since then. And, um, it's very easy to fall for the, I can't touch you trope. I hate that trope actually, because it's never done well. I think the only time that I felt that it was done well was Kaz from six of crows, where it was a mental thing and not a physical thing. Um, but I think they do it well because they really develop Nim as this really pathetic girl <laughs> who just wants to be loved and she wants to be touched. And because she needs this so badly, she is going to do whatever she can to feel the love of her people. And she is going to go to the ends of the earth to find this dang light bringer so that she can save her people from the mist. Like, so because they kind of developed her really well, the whole I can't touch you, you can't touch me thing is... I thought was not tropey at all. No, it it really wasn't like I, I was like, I was, my heart was breaking for her in the moment where North like outlines her face. So he gets as close to her skin as he possibly can without touching her. Can we like talk about that chapter and can we give that chapter its own little (laughs) We, we can sidetrack over that way because I was like, Let's go. What? Let's stop that chapter. I love oh. it. Oh, yes. Yeah, so they just escaped from the wannabe goddess that comes in, right? You know, and she's declaring that she is looking oh, no. for. Before that. Before that. Yeah, it's before that. No, it's at the party. I want to say the party of the undying. I don't know the name of the party. It's when they're on the boat. It's when no. they're on the boat. talking about that. I'm talking about when it's at the big party, when North first comes to the palace or temple or whatever, it's at the big party and she's up in the room watching. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yes. Yes. Okay. No, I was talking about another one, but it's okay. Okay. We can talk about that scene too. That's fine. I got it. Oh, I got yeah, it. The boat was good too, but no, no, no. This one was better. Yeah. <laughs> so it's when her, when the mentor dies, correct? No, before that. Oh my God. <laughs> so... It's Come on, party, at the party and North is sitting at the table. He's not eating because he doesn't know what to eat because he doesn't want to eat meat. And then the cat, the bindle cat like says, hey, come with me. And he takes her up to her bathing chamber. Yes. Yeah. That that was at, the, the advisor dies after that. The dress part. The dress part. robe. The robe. OK. Yes. Yeah. Keep going. You're doing okay. a great job. OK. So. <laughs> So my favorite parts of that were, and this is where I started to love the cat because unbeknownst to Nim, the cat goes and gets North. Cause the cat is like, Hey, she naked. Let's get your ass up in there. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like, Oh, 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 you know, you're naked. And she's like, ah, it's fine. But my favorite part <laughs> was when he had to like tie her robe for her, but he can't touch her and he wants to so badly. And he can like, and her goosebumps are like trailing his hand as he's just hovering over her. And I think one of the best moments in the book, as far as like a romance part, which I have not read before, and maybe just because I don't read a lot of romance, but she drinks her wine 
And then she gives it to him and he just touches the rim where her lips were. Oh my God. I was like, are you kidding me with this? That was all great. It was all great. Like kudos to North, man. Okay. I just, in that moment, I was like, you are a respectable young man. (laughs) Because to me, like, you know, they're thrown into the situation, right? She, she brings him back. She doesn't tell him why she's bringing him back yet. And the fact that he has formed this, this connection with her enough to where he doesn't question or overstep, like, you cannot touch me and I need you to not like, like no matter how, like, and he can see it in her face that she is also struggling, but he doesn't let her fall. And I applaud that so much because I'm like, he's not just being like, Ooh, maybe later he's respecting like, okay, her world is different than mine. I have no idea how this works here. Let me just take a cultural step back you know, and touch her the only way that she can be touched, which is the leftover part where her hand was touching. And you're just like, oh, (laughs) just inside. And when he's pulling the laces on her dress, I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's going to touch her skin. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And he doesn't. Yeah. He hovers just right over. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is so sexy. I love every part of it. It was so good, though. It was so good. So shall we jump into North now that we sidetracked on one of the best scenes ever? Um, I think that's all I had to say about Nim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go to North. Okay. So, you know, he's the prince of the sky. I love that he has two moms. I yeah. do. I love that he, because at first I didn't quite understand what the dynamic was because we are introduced to North and he has a blood mother and a heart mother. Right. Yeah. And in that moment I was like, is this due to like the culture of where he is? And then I caught on to it because then they started making a comment about like, Oh, are you going to make a you, you can make a three with your friends, your two best friends who are a girl and a guy, but we have to talk about who sired who, because that goes along with your bloodline. And I was like, oh, I have got it now. <laughs> oh. I've got it now. You know, because then both of his moms are, like, giving him the talk in the beginning of the book. And I was like, I got you. Okay. But it was done so well that I was like, I was like, I, I missed the, the moment. <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> but it was good. Yeah. It took me a second, and I was like, oh, blood as in, like, relation, heart as in love. Mm-hmm. As not. I saw it as, like, his wet nurse. I'm not even joking. Like, when I thought of, like, like the heart mother, I was like, oh, well, then she must be, like, the wet nurse of the person who, like, took care of him because his mom couldn't take care of him. No, I figured out that they were lovers. I just didn't understand, like, who the father was. But they, It's all explained. And then when I figured out the father was like, oh, so the blood mother actually gave birth. And the hard mother is the wife. It's his, it's his mom. That's not biological. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So that was all good. And I like the fact that he's just a, he is dumb at sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mr. North, he is dumb at sometimes, but 
He's he's a very likable character. In the fact that he is not so prideful that you're just like, get off your own ego can and back it up a minute. He actually is taking a moment to listen to people, to respond to them, and not sound like he's got to stick up his butt about what he wants. You know, because... He falls from the sky. He crash lands in a world that should not be here because he believes that there's nobody down there because no one's told him any better. And he then entrusts his life to this girl and is like, well, she's just my best way to get out of here alive. I'm just going to follow her until I can, you know, get to the next place. Um, yeah, I have nothing, nothing bad to say about about his character. No, um, as far as like, I have some stuff to say about the two of them as a couple as Mm -hmm. not about the sexy stuff, but like the other stuff I liked that, which makes a lot of sense. He comes from a world that's technology based. And then you have someone who's telling you that it's magic. And he's like, as you say, bull honky, Mm -hmm. (laughs) his growth is basically, and this kind of ties into the whole faith, um, theme is that he has faith in her but he doesn't have faith in her magic and when he he grows when he does begin to have faith in her magic mm-hmm. which I thought was what she needed and I thought it was done really well um I also like that both of them were trying to prove something to other people so North was you know he was trying to prove to his parents that he can go down and do something important he just doesn't want to be a figurehead. He wants to do things. Um, and she, of course, is trying to prove to her people that she's worthy of the crown. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I felt like, you know, how we talked about Nim has very strong convictions. And I felt like she she thought of everything in very black and white and there was no gray. Whereas North, he's very, he questions everything. He's like adventurous. He's going to explore. And Nim is like, no, I want to be here. My home is here. He wants to go do other things. He's like questioning this whole, like the, he wants to be in a relationship with his best friends and his moms are like, no. And they're like, no, you can't explore. And he's like, yes, I'm going to. So I felt like they, the way they were compared and contrasted were, it was done well. Mm hmm. Yeah. I like that they didn't do the whole, um, um, I usually like this type of guy in YA, the old, the smart ass, you know, the, um, the captain, what's his name from Shadow and Bone. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) I'm talking about, um, him, you know, and Captain Thorne from, they were all captains from, um, Fable. Cinder. You didn't read Cinder? I did read Cinder. Captain Thorne is... He's in Cress. He's starting oh. to come in Cress. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. You know, the yep. smart-ass, cheeky one. They could have really made North smart-ass and cheeky, but they didn't. They didn't do that. They just yep. made him really nice guy. I also think that they are destined. That's probably why he fell in love with her so quickly is I think the light bringer and the goddess are destined to be together. Cause I yeah. feel just, I'm going to save this for my theory section, but I have a theory about something else, but you probably have the same theory because <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think they might be faded. Yeah. 
think so. I mean, and that's just my own thing was that I I liked the fact that they were told by someone, you know, like, oh, you can't you you can't love her right now. Like, don't go chasing after her right now. And I was like, oh, yeah, because if he touches her right now in the current state that they're at, like, it'll ruin everything. Meaning it'll ruin her hope and trust in him in order for them to get to where they find out who the light bringer is. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So um, let's talk about... We can either go into the villains or we can go into our theories. Oh, let's talk about Insta. Insha. She she had another clunky name. Inshara. Insha. Inshara. I kept calling her Insta. I can't pronounce these names. She's not Insta. There's a R. (laughs) There's no no Insta. Nothing. (laughs) Okay, so Inshara is the the daughter of the ex-goddess, right? Yeah. Jezrea, what is her name? Jezara. Jezara, excuse me. So, I mean, Jezara hides the, the real prophecy, right? So the fake prophecy is what's left in the temple where uh, Nim is currently goddess of. And she's like, there's like a hidden piece to this thing because she sees it in her dream um, to find out that Jezara actually has the official prophecy and she's hidden it from her daughter, and her daughter is this Inshara person who comes in and, like, she's got these glowing, crazy eyeballs and, like, has the power to uh, control people, so we think, but not really. But she's, like, a very powerful woman, right? Because she's supposed to be the goddess. Um, To me, when she rolled in, I was like, who is this wannabe woman, you know, because down in the below, there's the cultists, there's the, the grays, you know, the gray cloaks or whatever. So there's all these different people that aren't quite happy with the goddess being in control, right? Or her mm-hmm. having everything. So it's like, I just saw her, her moment where she entered in the picture as something where I was like, here comes another wannabe. <laughs> but it turns out she's really not. Yeah. A wannabe. So I'd like back it up a step because I was not ready for that. No, I was shocked. I was like, ooh, sexy moment. And then bam. And I was like, oh, dang it, what is this? I wasn't expecting that at all. Uh-huh. Like, okay. Were you in your brain when you met her? Like, okay, no, she's just going to be some woman power driven and it's not really her. Yeah. In that moment, I thought that it could have been uh, Jazara the ex-goddess to come back in that moment. I thought I it was that. I just thought, like you said, I thought it was just some crazy person trying mm-hmm. to, yeah. Yeah. For a hot second, I was like, Ooh, wait a minute, what if it's her? And then we learned that Jazara does not have that, like, look. She's got, like, a white strip all the way down her hair, and that's not what she looked like. So I was like, oh, well, never mind. So, um, I- the cult leader I didn't think that she was anybody mm-hmm. yeah and so we find out that she she believes that she's the goddess and she needs to have the light bringer in order to bring this utter 
chaos to the world that's going to make and renew it, right? Or the prophecy or something like that. I'm not quite sure if, because she, did she think, okay, so she thought she, oh my God, she didn't think she was the light bringer. She thought that, I don't know. Goddess. She thought that she was the goddess. She thought she was the goddess, but did she think that North was the light bringer? Because yes. the light bringer is supposedly talking to her in the chrono. So yes. he's telling her everything. Mm-hmm. So the chrono is a watch device. <laughs> yeah. That's not of the below. Yeah. Well, they read the book. They know that. They're in the yeah. spoiler. Edition. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a, I guess I'm kind of confused at her. It's not important. Like she's just, she's just power hungry. It's, I mean, I guess it just kind of skipped my mind there. Um, but I liked her a lot. I'm hoping that we get more of her in the next book because I don't think we got enough time with her, but we got enough of her to be the makings of a pretty good villain. I thought that her motive was understandable. They hated her and she was sick of it. And now she has some power. She's going to make them pay. And I thought that her, her motive and she thought she was the rightful heir. And I'm wondering if maybe, is this a theory? Should I wait for this for the theory? Or should I just say it? <laughs> you could just say it because we're almost there. All right. Um, so I wonder if the whole you can't be touched thing, because in the cloud lands, it's a monarchy. Mm-hmm. But down below, you're bestowed. So I wonder if they don't want, it's, it's, a, it's, it's like uh, making sure that people, or telling them that they can't be touched is control. But I wonder if it's because they don't want them to have babies so that they are powerful babies and that the, the, it, it becomes a monarchy. I think maybe they're avoiding a monarchy that way. I don't know. It's just a, just a theory, but, um, yeah. So one thing I liked about, um, Insta, Insha, Insha. is that her and Nim had a lot in common as far as they felt like their childhoods were stolen from them. But then their differences is that, and this goes with the whole humanity, um, theme that occurs a lot throughout this book. And there are several times where, the humanity is basically, I think it was one of the gods. Let me look at my notes. That says that humanity is vital as divinity, even for the one who will in the world. And there's just a whole bunch about humanity and um, North is constantly saying, you know, don't lose your humanity. People are telling her not to lose her humanity. Whereas Insha has, she has abandoned her humanity for her divinity and she wants power Whereas Nim has to fight to not lose her humanity when she gets the Mistborn. She has to like, you know, North is like, well, who are you now? What are you doing? You're going to, you're going to try and force me to stay. And then she's like, Oh shit, I can't do that. And then when she does gather the mist and there's a big fight with her and Insha, she once again has to be like, no, I'm a human being. I cannot be this monster. So they have similarities and then they have differences. Mm-hmm. I did too. And I want to make a comment because like, it was something that like, uh, North had pointed out, like when they're in that big fight, um, you know, and Nim has this like moment where she's like, Oh no, like I'm not going to fall victim to my powers that have now finally been given to me. Um, 
I'm going to still keep my humanity. And in Shara or whatever, she has been so deeply mistouched that she's lost. She's lost her, her humanity a hundred percent, you know, because now she's been given over to that, that grief and that hurt. And she's a product of the fact that her mom had despised the whole entire, the whole entire practice because she was shut out when they found out that she was pregnant. And guess what? When she was pregnant, she didn't lose her divinity. She was still powerful, but yet she, she crafted a way for them to think that she lost her divinity because she wanted to have a normal life where she started creating those potions, which are a product of the sky. Like that's science now. Like, you know, it's no longer magic. Now you're giving me science, which I thought was interesting because the whole entire time, you know, North and Nim had this battle of like, is it magic or is it science? And, you know, and there's always this battle of them having to explain it. And my favorite part is where, like, she asks what his chrono is. And he's like, well, it's just electron. It's an electronic. And she's like, and what does that mean? What's an electronic? He's like, oh, well, it's just it's well, it's bad. It's battery like whatever. And it's like. It's just so funny because you're just like one of those emojis where they have like all these like weird characters coming up and you're just like what what you're saying is just gibberish. So <laughs> yeah. with how Nim's talking, it makes more sense than how he's talking to her. Um, so yeah. Do you want to go into um, theories? Um, I, yeah, let me see if there was something else. Cause my stuff is kind of like all over the place. I kind of wanted to talk about writing style just a little bit because mm-hmm. I like the writing style. So I think one one device that these ladies have chosen to do is the repetition to get their point across. And I read it on a Kindle. So you did, too, right? Yep. Yeah. So when I was looking up themes, I noticed that humanity was mentioned like six times and choice was mentioned like 20 times. And so they keep repeating the same words to kind of get their point across. And then they did it again with the word. uh, This is just really like funny. I thought with the word thousand, because thousand is important because a thousand years ago, the gods went up to the sky, blah, 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 a thousand years later, blah. And then there were times when the, when the care, when um, North would be like, there's a thousand buttons here. I can't tell you how many thousand times she did just keep repeating the word thousand just arbitrarily. I just thought mm-hmm. that was kind of cute. Um, I like that they wrote against trope, as I was saying before. Um, they did the don't touch me trope really well. The whole lied to the lied to me trope. Um, once again, I hate that trope when the main character has been lied to her whole life. And essentially she has been lied to. She can be touched. Um, but I thought I thought it it went well because it did it, they did it well because she wasn't like oh I could be touched booty time you know it wasn't that it was I'm still gonna keep my conviction my convictions here and I'm not gonna touch anybody yeah no I mean then, she still kept her duty which I yeah. think is huge like the fact that she didn't just go oh well screw that I'm done with it you know and completely just disown everything she's ever known to be true. She stuck with it. Yeah. Which is, you just want to be like, good job, girlfriend. Good job. 
I think that's the problem with a lot of not just YA romance, but romance in general and why sometimes it's bad is because when somebody falls in love, they just lose all everything they believe in, everything they want in love. And they just dump it off for some person Well, she doesn't do that here. She still keeps her duty first and yeah. North second. Um, one thing I thought they did well is, okay, so I, I kind of have this thing where anytime I see a holy man, the holy man is always the bad guy. I don't care what book it is, guys. Anytime you see a holy man, he's the bad guy. But they didn't do it here. And I kept waiting. I was like, ooh, 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 that high priest. He's up to shenanigans. <laughs> he wasn't. I was kind of upset about it because I was like, dang it. The holy man is always the bad guy. I know. Or someone, you know, is. But I, I really liked that. He he wasn't, and and they tried to paint him as the bad guy because you're like, oh, he's got a hidden agenda. Just wait yeah. for it, wait for it. And in all reality, like he was doing his best to protect her, to protect him. And I was like, you know, and then she felt salty because she was questioning him. And you're like, oh, oh, I would hate, I would hate that so much. <laughs> But here's the word to the wise guys. Never trust the holy man in no, any other book. Usually it usually they're bad. They're always bad. Um, the other thing we really didn't talk about was El Kisa. Look at El Kisa. Yeah, okay. She is a two-time and hoe. <laughs> she, <laughs> she is. She totally is. Oh, she played both of them. Oh, oh man. Uh, and you know what? I, I, and when they were together, Elk, I'm just gonna call her Elle because her name is, her name is clunky too. Mm -hmm. Um, Elle and them were together. There were moments where I thought that they were in love. Mm -hmm. They were very, very chummy. Um, not that you can't have really close girlfriends, um, platonic girlfriends, but I thought that maybe it was going to be another polyamorous with Elle and North, but, and you know what? I should have known it because of the cat. The cat did not like her, mm -hmm. but the cat loved North. Oh, yep. my. Oh, mm -hmm. that was it, though. I didn't see that coming at all, and I, I should have. Sometimes I feel like an idiot when I don't notice that stuff, but good kudos to these ladies because I showed it and catch it. No, I didn't. I did not either. That whole time I was like, no, <gasps> no, no, <laughs> you know, because. She plays as though Insara is, like, controlling her, okay? So, like, when Insara first comes on the scene, you know, there goes Elle. Nim's only friend and bodyguard is, like, being bent over, contorted against her will, to, about to be stabbed to death, and she doesn't know if she's going to die or not. And that hoe is, is making out with her in the next scene. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, and she plays both sides so well because I really do think she loved both of them. Oh, yeah. Like, she, she loved both of them, you know, and it's like, of course, she's going to want the girl that she's sleeping with to become the goddess because that puts her up in the rankings. That's just she that's believed just in her. She yeah. believed in her. And I think um, I. I think the way they did that was well, because Jazara tells Nim, my daughter is quite charming. She will make you love her. She mm -hmm. will make you believe her. And so she is setting up, they are setting up 
and Shara to be a bad bitch because mm-hmm. she can make people love her. She she turned Nim's best friend mm-hmm. against her. That is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well done. Well, well done. done. Well done. You know, Nim's only, only best friend in the whole, like the only person she could trust in this whole entire world besides that cat who comes and goes as he pleases was her. And you just took that from her. Oh, yeah. And the, oh, man, man. Yeah. And, and I, then- I just say I was so glad that North is not the light bringer because the whole entire time. Yes. The whole entire time we're painting this picture that North is the light bringer because he's fallen from the sky, you know, and he's going to come into her. Yes. And he's a man. And he's a man. You know, when you say he's going, he's going to come into the empty vessel. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that you perv. I That's was exactly what it says in the prophecy. I know, but but you know how it is. The man is gonna save the lady. Yeah, so no. Like, oh, he's the light bringer, and he's gonna save her. No, it's both girls. So Nim is is the light bringer, and um, Insara is the goddess. Which, because Insara is now the product of the sky and the below. Wait, so Insara is the goddess, and Nim's the light bringer? Yes. I missed that. Okay. Because she is powerful, but even her mom is like, she. no one has the power to control another person's, like, body. When they were talking about that, how, like, her best friend got killed over, she's like, no, no one has that power. That's not a power of, a, of the divine. She doesn't have that power. She has the power... To mm-hmm. steel doesn't affect her, so she can. Mm-hmm. So when they tried, you know, shut her down, she was just like, "Psych." Yep. 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 Okay. So yeah, no. Oh, uh, yeah, she's the goddess. Okay. Because we can even go through. Yeah. I believe yeah. you. <laughs> so I could read the prophecy for you. I believe you. <laughs> I just didn't catch that, and that makes the book even better. I didn't catch that. Yeah, I, mean, the, it was, I thought it was her own light bringer. Okay, because it says the empty vessel will at the end of days seek the land kissed by the sun. Okay. Okay, and then it says, for only on that journey before a swift gray tide will the last star fall. Mm-hmm. The empty one will keep the star in a brand against the darkness and only in that glow will the light bringer look upon this page and know himself. Yeah. So that makes her the light bringer. Nim is the light bringer though. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Lim, yeah. I thought Nim was the light bringer and the goddess. I thought she was both. Oh no. So Insara is the goddess and she's the light bringer. Mm hmm. At least I believe so. That's how I read it. Okay. I don't know. I and have no powerful. Yeah, she is. But I mean, she controls the mist. And speaking of controlling the mist, my whole thing was if Nim can control the mist, doesn't that solve her problems? Because then she can just shoo the mist away and nobody gets burned. But I didn't understand. 
Right. She needed the light bringer and to start the whole world over again. If her problem was solved by shooing the mist away. Am I wrong? I know, but her destiny was to bring the light bringer and to recreate the world. Okay. You know, so however she needs to do it, she is so destiny driven that she's like, I am not giving up just because now I became the light bringer. I'm going to attain that crown. That was her crown that would have brought the the destruction. All right. So. All right. All right. Theories of book two. Okay. So I believe that I'm going to start with this. I believe the Bindle cat works for Matthias, the Fisher King. I believe he is. Because the Fisher King is the master of the archives, right? He's the one who keeps the stories of the people before. And he's been here for a very long time. Um, he's a centennial. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sentinel. A sentinel. Um, I honestly believe the cat works for him. I really do. A hundred percent. And I also think that... In because when we were given the epilogue, we don't know who survives and who was still on the ground. I don't think they're dead. I just think that they're just knocked out. But go ahead. Mm-hmm. So I honestly think the one that is speaking is Insara. Yeah, I think it's totally her. Yeah, because she asked to see the one that descended to Earth. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's your dad, you know, but it doesn't say. Oh, no, it totally doesn't say. But it, he's Talamar, Tamalar, Talamar. He's totally her dad, which would make North her brother. Yep. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I want to expound on the Talamar thing. So mm-hmm. I think that um, so we're theorizing that Talamar came down as a light bringer 10 years prior and got old girl pregnant. And that was his chrono. So I think he's been the one talking to Insta, Insha. That is Talamar. And, but I think he's doing that. I think he's masterminding everything. So I think that he's trying to take over the Cloudlands. And he's like talking and manipulating Insha to take over the below and to come up and maybe be with him. I think that he sabotaged um, North's plane. He got North purposely interested in flight and he like, like groomed him to want to be this explorer and then to sabotage his plane so that he would crash land down there. For what reason? I don't know. Maybe it was to meet old girl and maybe touch her or something and or fall from grace. I'm not quite sure, but I think he's masterminding everything. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. He's the oddball in the group. You know, at the council. Um, And then there was some, there was another theory thing that I wanted to talk about. And I can't. We had talked about it, didn't we? What? I feel, I feel like for book two, I feel like we're going to see more of the sky, right? We're going to be all up in the sky. And um, I really feel like somehow Nim is going to like. 
she's I don't feel like she's going to destroy his world because that's what they had talked about, that she would destroy his people and her people. I don't think she's going to do it. I think she has too much of it of a human heart to be that greedy. I think she needs to be convinced. That's yeah. That yeah. There are, that she has a choice. She mm-hmm. has a choice to not do that and to find another way. So can we hypothesize? How do you think North is going to get to her? Well, the Fisher King is a sentinel, and they can they can perform some magic and send him up. That's what they do. Boop a boop. <laughs> well, yeah, and because like when they're in that old temple, it's like an old shopping mall. Did you catch that? Yeah, I did. He was like, "This is." She's like, "Yeah, it's our old temple," and he's like, "This looks like storefronts." <laughs> Yeah, Which to me tells me that the people that were that were originally down below were like, ooh, it's getting a little crazy down here. We're going to go up somewhere we can can control the environment, control what's around us. That's really what I ultimately think. And they just left the people that were not in the same monarchy, if you will, down below and were like, fend for yourselves. Yeah. I totally all- forgot about that marketplace, but yeah, that's totally going to come back. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. I think after our discussion, I think I will bump it up to a four and a half. I, um, Ooh. a lot more to like than obviously not to. There really wasn't anything to not like about this book. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't cry. Oh, we didn't talk about the ending where, she goes up to the sky and their fingers just almost touch. And I was like, oh, oh my God. That because, almost- because she asked him, like, if some if harm is going to become me, like, will you help me? And he's like, of course I will. Like, I'm not just going to let you, like, fall or whatever. And then she does fall and he's able to grab onto her without, like, touching her. And then that in that moment before that, you know, she was like, he's really not going to touch me. He's really not going to because that's when she's like battling with her brain. Like, well, then I must be something else now because I'm not the goddess. Someone else is like, then what am I? Am I allowed to be touched? And he still respects her that way. And then in that last part where he's like reaching out to her, I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, they still don't touch, though. It was like, oh, yeah. was so close. It's so close. I was really glad that there wasn't any booty time in this book. I would have been very upset. It's going to be like another Six of Crows with Kaz and Nege and like no touching and all we get is a freaking handhold. <laughs> that hurts so bad. It does I hurt. Love them. I love them. And like just I, that's a totally different book. But yeah, that that was really the, the sexual tension in this book was great. And mm-hmm. I and the fact that they just barely touched was just like, oh, man, that hurts. <laughs> well, that's so, how I felt with, like, what was it? Queen of Shadows. Okay, for me, Sarah J. Maas. They were, all, they were all touching each other. What are you talking about? They didn't have no booty, though. They were like, I'm not going to touch you until I'm alone by myself. Rowan? Yes. And, oh. Really? Yes. After that, it was go time. So I don't count that. <laughs> I do because I wasted 600 pages. <laughs> well, you were only there for the booty time? Look at you. No, no. But it's like you're rooting for them the whole time. You're like, come on, come on. 
Well, at least they touch. And Six of Crows, they don't even touch. And Crooked no. Kingdom, all they do is hold hands. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> Teens, Don. Teens, read it. <laughs> throwing Six of Crows is all kind of booty time. Or throwing a glass. With the throne of clothes. Throne, throne of clothes. Of <laughs> Whatever. All right. That's all we have. We're, we, we're on really long. So. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, you guys. I really hope that you read it. It actually is a very well done book. It's awesome. And it's nice to see some new, some newer authors for us to kind of dive into. Well, I knew this was going to be book. Uh, going to be good. Going to be book. Um, because, I mean, you know, she co-writes with uh, with um, Christoph all the time. And um, they're never bad. Like, no. They're always great. Really good writer. So I I wasn't shocked that this was good. I didn't think it was going to be this good, but I, was, I wasn't shocked. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us, and we will catch you in the next podcast. Bye-bye.